Hello and welcome back to There's a Book for That, the podcast where I, the resident bookworm in our little friend group, talk about books I've read and share my thoughts about them. We have had a little hiatus as the subject of war in the current background was just a little too depressing and honestly much bigger than I expected. So I've pushed it back a little so I can do it justice. In the meantime, with Valentine's Day a couple of days away, I thought we could talk about the many shades of love, have a little palate cleanser before it all gets ugly and serious again. So love. Today's episode is a minisode. <laughs> it was a minisode. <laughs> In which our reading will be presented largely without comment. Less comment than usual. You can listen to this in the time that it takes to make and enjoy a nice cup of something hot, as our hearts and minds also imbibe the wisdom of the prophet. So my favourite ex, he might come up a few times during this week, uh, he and I love to read. It was the thing that brought us together, actually. I was in the library when we met. The library is my jam. I've had a lot of library cards over the years. But anyway, on this night, I was in the uni library at night. Uh, this is when I was doing my master's, where I'd taken upon myself a particularly brutal regiment. I would take the bus at 1am on Thursday morning, arriving in Lancaster at 9am on Friday mornings in time for class at 10, and then take the bus back at 10pm to London. In between, I attended lectures and spent a lot of time in the library swapping books, studying, printing articles, the standard student fair. On this fateful night at some point in January 20. 14, 10 years ago, I I sat on a high chair uh, by a walkway, weird architecture, waiting for 10pm so I could take my bus home when an extremely tall man walked past. Uh, Then he walked back and said hello and introduced himself. I can still see myself. I can see the whole thing. Name and surname. It still makes me giggle. Anyway, he said the usual things that people say in these situations, asks for my number. It being a library, I didn't want to spend too much time talking, but he was quite charming. Um, he was from that African country with all the people. And out of those people, he was from a smaller group of people who seemed to like writing books. You know, the ones they got us started in the game. Um, so while I liked his face and extreme tallness, although he was too tall, nobody needs that. I was not convinced to be talking to a man at that time, but as he had said that he liked to read, I said a test. I said, if you can name 10 African writers that you've read, that I've also read, I give you my number. Dear listener, of course I gave him my number. He passed the test with flying colours. We talked for three hours until my bus came. And then we had a two-week whirlwind where my world was transformed. Finally, I could talk about books to my heart's delight. And now that I don't have anybody to talk to about books, you're forced to listen to me. And this mini-sode is swiftly expanding. Oh, well. (laughs) So on one of those rose-tinted nights, as we Skyped, it was a socially distanced relationship. Um, He read to me from The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, our author for today. And when he had finished, he asked me, so what do you think about that? And it remains to this day one of the most pivotal moments of my life. To be asked anything is wonderful. To be asked to pour out from my mind and share my thoughts is a treasure to one such as I. I'm very much aware that you, dear listener, did not ask (laughs) and that I do not ask you to share your thoughts in turn. I do you a disservice. 
But my aim with this podcast is simply to provide a reading list and reasons to delve into some of the stories that life has to offer and maybe see their applications in your own life. I encourage you to have the conversations with your own friends. For today, the version of the book that I'll read from was a gift from another friend with a foreword by the poet Ruby Kaur. In her foreword, she says, quote, This book is not just for poetry lovers. It is for anyone wondering what this thing we call life is about. If you are looking for something to carry you through life's most sorrowful moments, but also ground you during life's greatest joys, you are holding the answer in your very hands. The poems in these pages will become your medicine and your mentor too. As you grow old, so will its words grow old with you. As you evolve, so will the prophet, becoming what you need it to be when you need it, fashioning itself into an anchor, a lifeline and a friend. It is a chameleon. It is both the capil- <laughs> it is both the caterpillar and the butterfly. If you're arriving here for the first time, welcome. I envy you. If you've been to the foot of these gates before, it's good to have you back, old friend. End quote. I heartily agree and invite you, whether for the first time or the hundredth, to join me on this journey. So, Khalil Shibran was born in 1883 in Mshari village in Lebanon to a humble Christian family. Humble meaning poor here. At 12, his mother moved the family to Boston, away from his family who liked drinking too much apparently, where she hoped that their lives would improve. For a while they did. And three years later, Gibran returned to Lebanon to study French and Arabic in Beirut. However, tragedy struck and within a few years of finishing his studies and returning to the US, he had lost his mother, sister and brother and was left with but one sibling. His mother had been of huge influence in his life and it is notable that he had very significant relationships with other well-educated cultured women throughout his life. In addition to being a writer, he was also known for his artwork and his drawings. Though he died at the very young age of 48, he had accomplished a great deal in his young life, from being a writer to a passionate activist for Arab liberation from the Ottoman Empire, and he had the joy of knowing success in his lifetime. He is remembered chiefly for the Prophet, the subject of our podcast today, but he wrote many other works and letters which are highly regarded and available in English and Arabic his main languages. So the Prophet is a book of 26 little fables, stories intended to teach us about life, written in a poetic prose. In it we meet the Prophet, Al-Mustafa, though raised in a Christian home and growing up growing up in Lebanon, Gibran had the privilege of being influenced by various religions around him and this is evident in his works. Al-Mustafa, quote, the chosen and the beloved, is a stranger in the land wherein he lives and has long been longing to go home and finally the time has come as he prepares himself to live leave <laughs> as he prepares himself to leave he reflects on his life and what leaving means to him before being accosted by the locals who want to hear from him before he goes he's been there for a while they didn't take advantage of it then then they're like oh no he's going let's talk to him one of them almitra a serious or a prophetess i guess is his first friend in the city, and she says, quote, Prophet of God, in quest of the utmost, you have searched the distances for your ship, and now your ship has come and you must needs go. Deep is your longing for the land of your memories, 
and the dwelling place of your greater desires. And our love would not bind you, nor our needs hold you. Yet this we ask ere you leave us, that you speak to us and give us of your truth, and we will give it to our children, and they unto their children, and it shall not perish. And he answered, People of Orphalese, of what can I speak, save of that which is even now moving within your souls? Thus setting up the framework for the words that we will now read, which are always given in response to a question. The first question being, speak to us of love. I will read the chapter in its entirety and keep it largely without comment. Quote, Then said Almitra, speak to us of love. And he raised his head and looked upon the people, and there fell a stillness upon them. And with a great voice he said, When love beckons you, follow him, though his ways are hard and steep. And when his wings unfold you, yield to him, though the sword hidden among his pinions may wound you. And when he speaks to you, believe in him, though his words may shutter your dreams as a north wind lays waste the garden. For even as love crowns you, so shall he crucify you. Even as he is for your growth, so is he for your pruning. Even as he ascends to your height and caresses your tenderest branches that quiver in the sun, so shall he descend to your roots and shake them, and they are clinging to the earth. Like sheaves of corn, he gathers you unto himself. He threshes you to make you naked. He sifts you to free you from your husks. He grinds you to whiteness. He kneads you until you are pliant, and then he assigns you to his sacred fire that you may become sacred bread for God's sacred feast. All these things shall love do unto you, that you may know the secrets of your heart, and in that knowledge become a fragment of life's heart. But if in your fear you would seek only love's peace and love's pleasure, then it is better for you that you cover your nakedness and pass out of love's threshing floor into the seasonless world where you shall laugh, but not all of your laughter, and weep, but not all of your tears. Love gives naught but itself and takes naught but from itself. Love possesses naught, nor would it be possessed. For love is sufficient unto love. When you love, you should not say, God is in my heart, but rather I am in the heart of God. And think not you can direct the course of love. For love, if it finds you worthy, directs your course. Love has no other desire but to fulfill itself. But if you love and must needs have desires, let these be your desires. To melt and be like a running brook that sings its melody to the night, to know the pain of too much tenderness, to be wounded by your own understanding of love, and to bleed willfully and joyfully, to wake at dawn with a winged heart and give thanks for another day of loving, to rest at the noon hour and meditate love's ecstasy, to return home at eventide with gratitude, and then to sleep with a prayer for the beloved in your heart and a song of praise upon your lips. End quote. <laughs> I'll just throw in the next section, which talks about marriage, as they're so often closely related. Quote, then Almitra spoke again and said, And what of marriage, master? 
And he answered, saying, You are born together, and together you shall be forevermore. You shall be together when the white wings of death scatter your days. Ah, you shall be together even in the silent memory of God. But let there be spaces in your togetherness. And let the winds of the heavens dance between you. Love one another, but make not a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. Fill each other's cup, but drink not from one cup. Give one another of your bread, but eat not from the same loaf. Sing and dance together and be joyous, but let each of you be alone, even as the strings of a lute are alone, even though they quiver with the same music. Give your hearts, but not into each other's keeping, for only the hand of life can contain your hearts. And stand together, but not yet too near together, for the pillars of the temple stand apart, and the oak tree and the cypress grow not in each other's shadow. End quote. Huh. Oh, guys, and to be careful. Don't laugh too much. In both of these fables, we are encouraged to think more deeply about what it means to love or to be married or to be in relation with others or ourselves. We're invited to love but not to bind or possess, to give without losing ourselves and to seek in love more than our own gain, more than love's peace and love's pleasure. I maintain it, I have for a long time, that love is a doing word, a verb, and in the prophet we see love anthropomorphized as a man, a being who takes us on a journey with a lot of action words. On this first day of our series, I invite you to invite love, the verb, into your life and your perception of love. If you find yourself describing how you love or how you are loved using describing words instead of verbs, I would challenge you in the way of the prophet to do better and ask yourself, how can I make love come alive to those I love? How can I make it real for them as more than just a picture on a page, but something vibrant, pulsing with life, bursting at the seams to make itself known? Something real. And those who love me, can I count the ways? How many verbs can I use to describe their love for me? And if I cannot, is it truly a love sufficient unto itself? Or is it deficient of the necessary nutrients to call itself love, to sustain me and keep me going? As a reminder, love gives not but itself and takes not but from itself. It's self-sustaining. Love possesses not, nor would it be possessed. It's not jealous. For love is sufficient unto love. Okay, join me tomorrow when we'll be talking about The Colour Purple by Alice Walker. Till then, happy Valentine's week. Step away from the commas and maybe into a book. Thank you.